Yo, lads, welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm going to keep this intro real quick because I know you guys want to get to the interview with Eileen. First of all, before we get into this, I just wanted to say thank you. You guys should say thank you to her too. She gave us uh, an hour and a half of her time, which is greatly appreciated. I know how busy she is, so um, it does mean a lot. And it's really cool to hear her story. Super rad chick. You guys are going to love this episode of the podcast. And uh, once again, guys, if you are looking for a coach this season, I am coaching a couple athletes. It doesn't matter where you live. It's all online. By the end of September 25th, I will not be taking on any more athletes for the season unless I can find a second coach. But uh, yeah, filling up quick. So if you guys want to get coached by me this year, I do a damn good job. So link will be down below. And enjoy this episode of the podcast. From me to you with love. Oh, also, uh, Bombhole. The Bombhole. They make a great podcast as well. However, they started a segment of the podcast called All Banged Up, and this podcast is called Banged Up. So, I mean, they're stepping on our turf. Eventually, we'll have to hit a name change if theirs surpasses ours, but uh, smash that like button, subscribe, and let's try to keep, uh, let's try to keep one step ahead of All Banged Up uh, with Banged Up. Deuces. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, creatures of all shapes and sizes, to Banged Up with Bruce Oldham, a.k.a. The Kid. This is an action sports podcast the likes of which the world may never have seen before and may never see again. I hope you guys enjoy. Way know how I was like trying to figure out Zoom, but then the problem with Zoom is that a it's too confusing for me because it's me, and then b <laughs> my mom's house. The Wi-Fi at my mom's house is appalling. Like, if I send a Snapchat on the Wi-Fi, it will not show up or send till the next morning. So, like, I can't do any sort of things. And then my dad just moved out of his house. So, I am, like, I have no internet whatsoever. I got, like, think 30 gigs on my phone now, which is pretty damn good. So, I just burned through that and hope it works. I was like, I was like, oh, if this Wi-Fi does not work this morning, I'm going to be bummed so I'm, like, I'm burning all of my data hopefully the data works if the data doesn't work then she's like you could go drive to tim hortons or something i'm like i'm not doing an interview in a tim hortons parking lot at six in the morning a the wi-fi would be just canadian as bad <laughs> pardon that is the most canadian thing ever yeah i know eh? uh, i've been working on my canada stuff i'm like man if i gotta like represent canada one day i want to be like on point i want to be wearing my bearskin rug have my moose antlers in my background in my room. <laughs> It'll be perfect. Uh, do shots of maple syrup before competing. I just do that for fun, honestly. Like shots of maple syrup, <laughs> a little bit of my coffee, and I'm off to go. Check out this mug, <laughs> Papa Bear. That's that's beautiful. I'm a big mug guy. That's been my one. I wouldn't say fetish, but that's my collection. Everywhere I go, I grab a new mug. I like cool mugs. A mug <laughs> Yeah, maybe a mug fetish, I'd call it. I have a bunch of, I have, like, 20 different mugs. My mom hates it because, like, you know, when you have a bunch of different, like, uh, mugs in a cupboard, it never, like, lines up right because they're all different, (laughs) they're all different shapes and sizes, and it's like, stop it, stop bringing home mugs. And I'm like, mom, I'm only here for the summer sometimes, so let me keep my mugs. Um, but yeah, anyways, um, I guess we'll get down to it, so... I'm actually pretty interested in this because I have no clue about your uh, background in park skiing and stuff like that and how you got into it in your backstory. I kind of tried to do some research and by that I went to the bottom of your Instagram page and like I was like, oh, she started skiing in like 2006. Oh, cool. And then I kind of like went through a couple things and then I was like, this was last night and I got off work and I did ski training and I did MMA training and it was like 930 and I'm like, 
Okay, I gotta, I gotta research this podcast. I actually made notes. I did do that. Okay, I tell, I'm getting, I'm wow. getting, well, more just questions and some of the questions. You're just... so prepared. Yeah, ten out of ten, I give myself. Anyways, how did you get into park skiing? I want the full backstory. Um, I'm, I'm actually pretty interested because I genuinely have no clue. Yeah, for sure. So I started skiing for the first time when I was three, and that was because my mom really liked skiing. Um, I was born and raised in San Francisco, so that's a four-hour drive to Tahoe, mm-hmm. and so we pretty much just go on the weekends. I mean, I would say from the age of three to eight, I probably was like 15 days a year, like literally weekend warrior. Whenever yeah. she wanted to go, I would just kind of go with her. Um, she would dump me in the ski school and call it a day, and she'd go skiing and have a good time. Yeah, she'd go apre and, um, and so, blast around the mountain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. No, no, she, she wasn't the app this year. She was like... The aggressive, you know, ethic mix, like yeah. the app that keeps. Tra- yeah, so she was an ethic mixer. And I'm pretty sure she won North Star like ethic mix. No way. Yeah, yeah. so That's she was born in the paint. Like you do not mess with Mama Good. So she, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she really liked it. And when I was eight, so I grew up skiing at North Star, which kind of like has this reputation of being really flat, like not having the best big mountain kind of terrain. Mm-hmm. So I. I guess I think the thing that really started it was I was definitely an adrenaline addict. You know, I was always climbing trees, always doing all that stuff. And so I started straight lining from the top of the mountain all the way down. Um, that would scare some people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so my mom was like, okay, so we can either put her to racing or free skiing, which is this other thing that nobody's ever heard of. But the whole point is to get me skiing slower. Um, and so racing kind of seemed counterintuitive. So she just randomly put me into free skiing, and that's how I got into it. Um, I skied on the weekends. I would say probably like 40 days a year, and I was the only girl on my team. And it was actually kind of funny because I went to an all-girls K-8 school, you know, very preppy. We had little okay. sailor suit uniforms. We, it was, you know, it was very kind of that vibe. And then on the weekends, you know, I was with these little scoundrels. Yeah, you were uh, kids like me girl. just doing stupid shit on the ski <laughs> It was so fun, though. Like, I had such a great time with them. I'm still really, really close with almost all of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we really grew in and pushed each other and kind of grew up skiing like that. And that's how I really got into it. That's why I really started loving it. Because one of my friends would slide their first rail and I'd be like, all right, well, now i got to do a front two. Show them up. And if I did that, then he was like, all right, well, now I have to, you know, learn a blind to And then it kind of just built up like that. And I think so many skiers have a similar backstory. It's all about learning and progressing with your friends. So I did that. And then I started competing for the first time in USASA when I was nine. When you were and nine? I, yeah. How old are you now? You're... I'm 17 right now. Oh, I was going to say 18. Damn. Okay, 17. <laughs> I was yeah, off that one. 17 right now. Yeah, that's um, close enough. My birthday Taking is in September. September. In September? Um, yeah. Hey, mine too. What date? No way. What date? Twelfth. The twelfth. Okay. Good for you. Good for me. Um. Yeah. So that's how I kind of got into it. I started competing when I was nine, and I remember I was really, really nervous, like terrified, nervous for my first competition. And my coach ended up coming up to me, and he's like, "I don't want to, like, you know." throw you off your game, but I hope you know you're the only girl in your age group. So, like, even if you do really badly, like, you're still technically going to win. And I was like, oh, well, that's pretty good. Like, I like winning. And so, you know, I, like I winning. didn't fall. I did do my, my 360, you know. 
thank God, um, and took home that gold medal, and it was that's kind of how I started. That's super sick. So that's cool. So basically, your mom randomly threw you in a ski school program because a she wants to shred and you couldn't keep up and then you started getting keeping up and then you're going too fast and she's like oh i <laughs> she's gonna hurt herself <laughs> so you're going to the ski school program racing exactly. a is gonna make you go faster b probably boring so freestyle skiing here you go I'm so glad I was not a racer. I cannot imagine waking up at like five in the morning. Not everybody's like you, Bruce. Not everybody just like randomly wakes up before dawn. <laughs> I I have to work, but I've been getting up at I I usually get up at like six every day. I have uh, my first MMA fight at the end of July, so I am in full camp, and like same with skiing. Like when I have a contest or something come up, I I make sure I don't take any shortcuts or anything like that. So. I tell myself six minimum every day I'm waking up as part of like one of the things. So I'm up at six and then eventually I go until like two to three months of this. And then I burn out, crash, take a week off where I like be a lazy slob. <laughs> and then I, I get back on, get back in the train when I have, when I have something again. But um, yeah, no, I, I can't say I like getting up this early. Honestly, I rolled out of bed and I was not, I was like, not stoked. I'm like, ah, oh, okay, but I got an interview today. Yes. It's going to be good. <laughs> I, I, I might have had two to three coffees. That. Respect the grind. Oh, yeah. For sure. It's, uh, it's something that a lot of people don't see and don't appreciate. But if you, uh, I don't know, you look at like any successful person, they don't, didn't get there without working hard. Um, so <clears throat> that's cool. Cause I was wondering how you did. Cause I personally didn't know that you had anybody in your family that skied, right? So she skied, does she still ski? Does she just run, shut them out around or not as much? Yeah. yeah. She, she likes to follow me and like kind of shadow me in all my contests. So I remember this past fall, I think it was like October and I was in Dubai in Austria. And because of COVID, they'd actually shut down the whole mountain and they had all the athletes and bubbles. We were kind of meeting at the gondola at a certain time and then everybody was going up individually in the bubbles and the gondola. And then the, bubble, the gondola closed. So even if you wanted to come down early, you couldn't. Like the camp was the only thing on the mountain that was yeah. right. But it was pristine, like it was perfect. Um, probably the best camp I've been to, side note. But um, everybody there was either an athlete or a coach. And so everybody was actually skiing was athlete, and then there was my mom, who was also there, <laughs> and there was this little groomer that was next to the pommel lift, yeah. and so she would just be shredding the groomer all day, and because she was the only one there, it would be like, fresh corn at like 2.30, and so <laughs> she was just having the time of her life in on this glacier in Austria, and I remember her telling me, feeling super self-conscious, because she was like, I can't fall off the, like, Lift or like whatever because people are gonna judge worried, me. People are judging, <laughs> yeah. you know, like nobody's judging. <laughs> That's hilarious. Everybody's probably like, "Who's yeah. this rad chick just shredding the groomers all day?" <laughs> yeah. No, she's famous. Everybody knew she was my mom. She's yeah, she's. She's just living it up. She's I, definitely more famous than me. <laughs> and there you go. I have a question for you. Is your mom one of those ones that worries? My mom is. She's gotten, it's taken her a while to get over it, but since I was the first one um, that kind of got into, like, this kind of stuff, because, like, my parents are very adventurous and outgoing, but when it comes to, like, extreme sports, none, like, neither of them had anything like that, so when I was a little kid, I started getting in, like, just doing things like this, like, just doing stupid shit, and um, it took her a while to get over the fact that she's like, 
oh my god, you can't do that. <laughs> like even now, like like up until like two years ago, last year, two years ago, she'd come to contest and she'd be like, oh, I don't know if I can watch. <laughs> like, or is your mom like that at all? Or is she like, nah, she's gonna 100%. stop it. Yeah, okay. No, she's like hundred percent. I feel like that's like the mom instinct. Um, I remember at my third third World Cup um, in Sizemore in Italy there was like that big screen right in front of the lodge area mm-hmm. and that kind of like the live broadcast so she could have been watching that she could have been watching live which is like right in front of her yeah but instead she just like was pacing standing up sitting down like head in her hands <laughs> people had to go over and be like I mean, it's gonna be okay but like are you okay like is everything yeah, yeah. is everything good like don't worry about it um, yeah, no, she definitely doesn't watch. She gets very, very nervous. But I think that's all moms. They're just protective. Yeah. yeah, I think most moms are. I mean, some of the slams people take are pretty aggressive. But it's so funny because, like, I, I was obviously, like, I'm the first child. And then I have a little brother who's 10 years younger than me. Absolute weapon. That guy is my, he's my, he's my pride. Do I love him? Um, but, oh, my God, he is an animal. And my mom... <laughs> like, when I was a kid, she's like, oh, my God, Bruce, are you Okay. Cody, like, will do a triple backflip, land on his head, and she'll be like, and just keep walking. <laughs> like, like, he's, like, desensitized to her? Yeah, oh, she's so desensitized. He comes home covered in bruises from falling out of trees and shit like that. And, like, I come home one day, and he's, like, he's, like, he's, like, hobbling inside, and he, like, he went, we have a big rock in our backyard, and I guess he decided he wanted to rock climb, and it's, like, 20 feet, and he fell off it, and he's, like, hobbling inside. My mom's like, you're right? He's like, yeah, I'm good. And she goes, Okay, and just goes back to what she's doing. I'm like, I'm like, oh, dude, you good? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, he's an animal. He's uh, I just, he just got into skiing in the last two years. He's gonna be quite good when he's when he's older. But that's sweet. So you got um, you got into it. And you got coached, and you were doing weekend warrior coaching kind of style. And the cool thing I like about what you were saying is you got into skiing. I think, like you said, similar to what most people did. But like, this is how I grew up in skiing. Like. I think times are changing a little bit now to the point where it's like you get in a school program or a, a school cup program, a, a coaching program, and they're like, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to do your cork. You need to do your hips up, blah, 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 right? I started park skiing when I was, I think, like 16-ish, maybe a little later. Like, I was in grade 11 when I started, like, really getting into park skiing. But my whole skiing, like, I was weekend warrioring whenever I could go, and uh, we'd go on, like, one family trip, and then... I just like launch off every little side hit or something I could see and like try to do whatever. And then we, st- I got my driver's license and my friends got the driver's license and we'd go to the hill. There's like three of us and we'd be like, yo, do you have any clue how to do a uh, backflip? They'd be like, no. And I'm like, rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> and whoever lost would have to do it. Or like one of us would be like, if you do a back four, I'll try a misty. And we just get, we just every night after like school for like a whole, like one winter, like we go, it was like an hour drive, so we'd go like three three times a week, and we just launch ourselves, and that's how I learned. Like, I, I, when I first got my co- my first coach, I, like, two years later, he's like, oh my god, where did you learn? Like, these are awful habits, because I'm setting corks like this, because no one told me, no one told me how to do it. I was weird, like, we have, like, you know the garden trampolines, like the black bed ones? Yeah. yeah. I put it underneath my garage roof. And I'd go run up my garage roof and I'd put a sprinkler underneath it because the water would make it wet and it would kind of double bounce you. And I'd jump off my garage roof onto the trampoline just to like try to tuck a double front flip around as fast as I could. I'd just be like spinning. But I'd have to do it when my parents weren't looking because I wasn't allowed on the garage roof. They could yell at me. So they'd like, they'd be cooking dinner and I'd like, 
I'd be just jumping on the trampoline, and then they'd like they'd be cooking dinner. I'd see them go into the kitchen. I'd just run up on the roof, jump off the trampoline, off off the roof onto the trampoline, and just shit like that. But I think that's something that I think is missing in skiing now. Like just just like just sending it and having fun with your friends. But so it's cool to see people like learning like or learned like that. I think a lot of the people like older people nowadays learned like that. But I think. Like, I don't know, like, I go to Ski Hill and I see a lot of the young kids. I'm really good friends with a lot of the young kids at the Ski Hill. And, um, but a lot of them, they go, they, they go on weekends and it's like, okay, we're going to work on front twos. This is exactly how you do it. We're going to work on back twos. This is exactly how we do it. And, like, it's good for learning. You get better really quick. But sometimes I'm like, they're like, I want to do a back four. I'm like, and they're like, but I have no clue how to do it. And I need to, like, work all these steps. I'm like, or, or you could just send it and we'll see how it goes. I'm sure I'm sure we'll be okay unless it's not a really hard icy night just let her bark absolutely I think I kind of had the reverse of that almost like recently um, I was in Manus I think it was like in May so a couple months Mm -hmm. ago and it was my first time at a camp really for a long time without a coach Mm -hmm. and initially you know I totally felt like I was out of place I was like how am I going anything I'm, I'm terrified to try anything and eventually, I started laughing with some of the guys on the U.S. men's half-pipe team. Yeah. And I was laughing fights with them, and I was like, I'm kind of feeling it. Like, I kind of want to learn, you know, right, or which is for me, a natural right, so like right alley of rodeos on a bag. And they're like, okay, like, it's an airbag. Just, like, do it. I'm like, okay. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> And I think I did like one or two, and they're like, "Do you want to just do it on snow? Like it looks pretty good." I was like, "Yeah, I mean, like it feels pretty good. Like, do you think I could do it?" And they're like, "Yeah, probably." Do you want me to film you? And I was like, "Yeah, for sure." <laughs> and then I did, and then it was the same with my right port ten in in pipe as well. And so like, I totally get what you mean. It was definitely really refreshing. It was a lot of fun. Very low pressure, but like you have to be in the right vibe with your friends to be able to trust. Yeah. And they're just like, just try it. If someone's like, just try a couple. Like I'm probably not going to try. A no. But if it's like something within reason, and I just need somebody to give me like the healthy little push, I totally do that. This is my uh, this is my motto. I've coined. I call it the safe send. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I like to send my meat, but I know when there's kind of a level of like like in my mind, I'm like, okay, can I do a quad? Probably not. So I'm not gonna try that. <laughs> Could I probably do a triple this time? Yes. Like, and like, I think for me, like landing a new trick, especially like when you just like not send it, but like when I don't do like. 20 like 25 dub 10 setups before going to try a triple or something like it feels really good and um but you do have to be safe because injuries are like the biggest thing that set anybody back and i was looking at that um that that cork 10 in the pipe the right cork 10 in the pipe and i was like because i was trying that this year in calgary and you did it way way better than me and you did it way bigger than me and i watched it last night and i was (laughs) doing my notes and i was like god damn it (laughs) Next year, ne- huh? Am I turning you into? Be a pipe job no, <laughs> maybe. I, uh, yeah. I, 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 I like it's really it. Really fun, honestly. My first medal I got in skiing was at Canada Winter Games. I shit the bed in every single event. Well, not my first medal, but like I shit the bed at every single event. Slope style, big air. I just didn't land my run. Actually, funny thing about the slope style contest. Perfect run. Probably would have got like on the podium. Last rail. I'm coming to last rail. Announcer goes, all right, Bruce Oldham, last feature. Megan Oldham's uh, older brother. Can he get it like his sister? And I'm like coming in. I'm like five feet from the last rail, and that's all I hear. And then, of course, I do a two-on and just fall off early. I'm like, fuck. 
I was so pissed. I was, that, was, that one bothered me forever. Um, but, <laughs> sibling rivalry, so you gotta love them. But no, I did, I did pipe at that there, and I just, I actually did fall in love with it. I was gonna do pipe this year, um, you know, contest for me. So I didn't get to do pipe, but I did train a lot of pipe and uh, I'm having fun. I wanted to talk to you about that because for me, <clears throat> I'm sure it's probably the same for you. I'm not sure. Pipe has got to be the scariest thing in skiing. Like I, I boosted, I, I, st- I started boosting out of the pipe and I had a couple hits where I went, I, I was like, I was feeling confident about music going and I went quite a bit faster than I normally did. And I hit that first hit and I went like probably not even that high, maybe like like 10 feet out and I shit my pants. I, I thought I was going down. I was like, oh my God. It's definitely really, really scary. I think for me, pipe though, like especially when it comes to competing, it was always the low pressure event. Yeah. Like, like I was always a slope skier. Like mm-hmm. if it was kind of like you said, right? Like I would mess up my other events and be like, well, pipe is the throwaway thing anyway. And then I'd end up doing really well on pipe. Yeah. And I don't think it was until really like this year that I even kind of accepted it that I was a pipe skier. Like before that, I was like, oh, like I just do it because why not? If it's in the same location, whatever. Like that's why I never competed in pipe really until New Zealand and then Calgary um, last year because like I've never, I would never travel just for a pipe event. No. And so I feel like that's why you can really improve in it really quickly, especially if you have that base. And foundation is slope skating because it's pretty much the same thing. It's just terrifying because you have like a three foot landing window. But like once you get past that, then it's all fun and games and low pressure, you know, all that fun. But you're right, it's very, it's very difficult to just kind of brush past that. It's terrifying. It's terrifying when you're up there and you're like, oh. Oh whoa, it's a lot deeper than I thought. And I have a problem where I pop too well, I pop a little too much sometimes, and I always land at the bottom and I'm like I'm just like <laughs> but, I'm get, I'm getting used to it. I actually, and like you said, low pressure, man. That's like that's why I enjoyed it so much because I go there. I just have tunes and no expectations. I'm not trying to win the event. I'm like I'm just trying to land my run and learn something new, and that's really fun. And like obviously, you, you try to adapt that into other aspects of competing, but it's it's not as easy as it's as it sounds. Um, this is cool though. You're three peating in all like you're the only you're I think you're the only person in freestyle skiing right now that is doing all three disciplines at the level you're doing it. I don't think anybody's doing it. Gus Kenworthy's not really doing it anymore. He did back in the day. But like that's pretty that's pretty cool to to be able to do. And the fact that like well A, you got three gold medals in all three disciplines or three not gold medals, three medals in all disciplines at X Games. But you missed the you missed the gold and figure I was watching that event. I saw that um if I were you, that would have pissed me off. It did piss me off. Because that, that would have been pretty damn cool to get it. Um, if you had landed that, that trick, I, it would have been close for sure. Um, why, like, I mean, well, A, how much, <laughs> how annoying is that? And B, um, come the rest of the season, are you still planning on doing, like, the next coming seasons? Are you planning on trying to do all three? Yeah, so I'm definitely planning to do all three for as long as I can. I mean, I think I kind of lump Big Air and Slope Style together. Yeah. And Big Air is definitely, like, the new, the scary, the, like, yeah. kind of out-of-my-comfort-zone event of the three. I've only done three Big Air contests. One was at Youth Olympics, which doesn't really count because it was part of the slope course. And then yeah. X Games and then World Championships. So, like, those were kind of the only Big Airs I've done. So, definitely really scary. Um, and I don't really see myself 
stopping pipe or slope really one before the other. So yeah, as long as I can stay relevant and all three, I'll keep going. And I think that big air, yes. So I kind of put it like this. I was writing about it in my journal the other day, and I think it's more just I was really happy with the medal. You know, it was my first X Games, my first event. I was the only rookie in the field, the youngest, you know, all of that. My first real big air, definitely the biggest jump I'd ever hit. It took me like an hour and a half in practice to even hit the jump. Like, it was so funny. I was sitting at the top. Everybody was, like, laughing the jump. And I was just sitting there. I was like, I don't even think I can, like, hit this. Like, it's Those so big, they're, they're scary, eh? Like, that Aspen Open big air jump is... Big jump. Yeah, it's big. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I was, I was very scared. And especially because I kind of grew up... I never really had big jumps. Okay, so that's the same as me, too. I never had big jumps growing up. And, like, when I hit big jumps, I'm not scared, but it takes me a while to do it. And my sister, Megan, you know Megan, obviously, she, because she's on, like... What she like when you guys compete and stuff? She hits big air jumps all or big jumps all the time. Like even the the course jumps are big, right? But I'm from like I ski like small resorts like Mount St. Louis most of the season. Then I go to a contest and there's a 60, 70 foot jump, and I come from like forty foot jumps. So for me, same thing with what you're saying until I rudely interrupted. But it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're all good. I totally agree. Um, yeah, no, I was pretty interesting that like I think I was really happy with the color of the medal, the fact that I podiumed in first place. All of that. Uh, but in terms of my performance, absolutely. Like, I did the right 12 first try in practice right before competing, yeah. like, literally 10 minutes before. And then I was, like, over-rotating, under-rotating. Like, I have no idea what was going through my head at that point. Um, and I just, like, couldn't put it out in the contest. And normally, I feel like I'm pretty good at this section. So that was definitely kind of a surprise and confusing mm-hmm. thing for me. But what was also interesting was they had scheduled the big air back-to-back with half so I literally like came off the podium and went straight to hospital training. And so I think that that like pent up frustration over not having done the best that I could have yeah. really fueled me in pipe. And especially in halfback, because it's one of those things where you pretty much go as big as you want or as big as you can. So having that extra motivation and having that extra extra push, I think definitely pushed amplitude. And that was definitely one of the factors that scored me so well. So, you know, you can argue you know, it's not good, it was good, but it is what it is, and I'm definitely really happy with it, and yeah, just looking forward to the future. Yeah, I mean, three X Games, three X Games medals is better than none, so something to be stoked about. It is better than none, this is true. I I have my personal vendetta in my freestyle skiing career is, I mean, as lame as this sounds, I, I gotta have more X Games medals than Megan, that's my... That's my that's my goal. I gotta do. I got her into this sport. How many does she have? She's got a couple, right? She's got enough that it's not gonna be easy now. But that's okay. <laughs> I'm coming for her. And then I've started started MMA too. So now I want I want uh, I want that as well. But um, yeah, no, it it, it is I'm what it is. I'm a big fan. Huh? I'm a big fan of having like side passions or main or like multiple main passions. Like for sure. That's I, I think. Like a big part of who I am. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I think that the problem is, for me, like, I'm somebody who, I get very interested by a lot of things, and I like, ooh, this is cool, this is cool, and then I pick up a bunch of things, and then I have too many things, I have a hard time saying no. Um, I think when you, get, when you get to this point in any kind of sports, having two big things, like, even doing three different disciplines, you know how hard that is. Um, this is going to be a perfect segue, watch this. So, modeling, right? When you're, 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 oh. full, yeah, I nailed it. Oh, look at him go. 
I'm getting good at this. But like for me, like doing skiing and MMA and training full time and getting ready for fights, and I do YouTube's and YouTube and podcast stuff as well. And then I like I work. I have a lot going on, right? And for me, like I know I can put more into skiing, but it's also nice for me to like take that time to go do something completely different than skiing and worry about something completely different. So for you, like modeling and stuff, A, I want to know, how did you get into that? Like, is that something you've always been interested in as a kid? And how do you kind of see, like, like, is that kind of like an, not, not necessarily an escape, but like, I mean, it's cool. It's different. Yeah, like a break, a little It completely takes your mind off of that aspect of your life. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I kind of did a little, like, a few jobs here and there when I was really young, um, or just kind of taking a lot of photos. Uh, my mom had these, like, photo shoot things for me that were not, I was not working, but it was more like a, every year when I came back to China, it'd be like a mm-hmm. photo journal, mm-hmm. in a sense, um, and it'd be like professional photographers yeah. would, like, take photos, and so I have all these albums in my house, and you can kind of, like, watch me grow up through them, which is kind of cool. But, um, yeah, just, like, from a young age, I was definitely used to having cameras around me. Um, in China, I think that I started filming some of my first interviews, my first documentaries, when I was, like, nine or ten, so it was really, really young. And so I started modeling, really, when I was 15, so in 2019, and I got invited to Paris Fashion Week, and that happened because there was a Chinese outerwear sponsor that wanted to sponsor me. Yeah. Um, and they made a tour, and they made, or I don't think they made a tour, I think they made, I don't know, but they made my fashion, and they had a runway show in Paris, and so they wanted me to front row, and so, of course, I was like, yeah, yeah you can't that? Like, this is such a great opportunity, it's just so much fun, like, let me go see this whole new world, and I absolutely loved it, it was the time of my life, I think it was so creative, it was one of those things where I could see someone walking down the street wearing, like, a paper bag, and people would be like, wow, this is next level, this is so creative, <laughs> anything goes, in the best way possible, and yeah. I thought that that was so amazing. Um, and being different is so celebrated. I feel like people say that a lot. They're like, oh, like, being unique is celebrated. That's why I like it. But, like, in the fashion industry, like, you know what I'm talking about. Like, things get weird. Like, yeah, I, really I, I, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna say I'm a huge fashion guy because honestly, I kind of wear whatever I can, whenever. But like, same with the earrings. My mom's like, you look like that weird kid. I'm like, like just messing with me. I'm like, what's wrong with that, mom? And she's like, no, no, nothing. I'm just being sportive. Like just messing with me, but like, yeah, no, it's cool. And like, I mean, if yeah, if you're confident enough to do it, and it's something you're like, yeah, but so that's that's really cool. And. I mean, I've never really fully understood fashion. I mean, I look at people's outfits and I'm like, that's cool. And then I go wear something and my mom's like, what are you doing? That doesn't match. Like this doesn't make any sense. I, most of my clothes, like if I'm not, if I'm going to be completely honest here in the podcast, most of my clothes are a, just like sponsored t-shirts or something like that, or hand-me-downs or from the Salvation Army. I genuinely don't care about having nice clothes. I like having nice clothes, but I'm running around so much and I don't wear them and everything I do, I just ruin things. So like, what's the point? I mean, there's more to style than money though. Like you can get some good stuff from Goodwill, Salvation Army, whatever, thrift shops. So, like, oh, for sure. It's, it's definitely like whatever you want style to be, it can be. And that's kind of what I love so much about the industry. And like you said, you know, it's, 
I don't really think that I have reason to escape from skiing, but it definitely creates a dichotomy in my mind. It makes me appreciate skiing that much more. I think it gives me a lot of really good perspective and kind of allows me to, to see it in a new light and be a lot more grateful for it. So if I'm, you know, competing for like a month straight and I just feel like I'm super exhausted and want to not ski again or whatever, and then I'll go shoot for like a week and be like, I kind of miss skiing. Like I kind of and it kind of reignites that fire. So on one hand, you know, I love that. And I also am the kind of person where like I always have to be doing something. So it's hard for me to just do nothing. And obviously I have to take a break from skiing anyways. Yeah. Why not have it in some kind of beautiful, creative, exciting, unique and productive way, right? You're being productive when you're doing that. A, you're, it's something you enjoy. Oh, B, you're definitely making money through it now, which has got to be nice. A little side bag, like get a little extra cash <laughs> on the side. I would definitely, my biggest thing is food. I love food. Oh my God. I could just, oh. if I had, if I had unlimited money, I would be eating out all the time. I have a secret food review account. What? Nice. <laughs> I have a secret food review account. I'm a huge foodie, like definitely have samples my fair share restaurants i'm not done yet in a lot of places but i have on my bucket list but yeah for sure wow leaking the details on the podcast huh do you cook (laughs) that is a question i do not want to answer because the answer to that is no i am a shit cook no you're a big foodie and you don't cook come on no i don't have time to cook you think i have an hour in my day to go make a meal no way if I did, I would. I don't know. I've always been interested in learning because people always told me, "Oh, the way to a girl's heart is to eat or to eat to cook good food and stuff." And I'm like, I'm like, that might be what I'm missing. And then I was like, Nah, I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> Just go buy it from somebody else who's a good cook. I feel like the way to anybody's heart. I feel like I don't know the way to anybody's heart. Maybe your own heart is cooking yourself a nice meal. I, I mean, I when I cook, I like to experiment. Like, so for me in the morning, I'll have. I usually like just. I whip together something, but let's say I'm having eggs, right? Oh, what's this? We have leftover salad. I'll throw that in eggs, scrambled eggs with salad. Oh, what? We have rice. I'll throw that in there. Oh, asparagus. Chop that up and throw that in there. It usually is, is usually really bad, but I mean, it goes down the hole. <laughs> like I'm a foodie when it comes to eating other food. And then when I comes to making my own food, I'm just like, whatever gets me onto the next thing so I can keep going. I, I couldn't pick. Um, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't pick. I'm kind of like, it just depends on the mood I'm in, honestly. I'm a big fish guy. Like, I eat a lot of fish. Um, yeah, nothing really stands out. How about you? Sushi. Big sushi girl. I really like Taiwanese food. Mm-hmm. Um, I can really like Korean barbecue recipe. That's like, good. Very good. Very yeah. good. Um, and then, yeah, I could definitely go for the Italian always. I travel, I travel with my own truffle oil, so I'm pretty extra in pretty much every sense of the word. Yeah, that's but, extra. You know. I'm going to call you out on that. That's extra. If you're, if you're carrying truffle oil through the thing, then they have, that's extra. It's like the little one, but it's good. It's got to be white truffle oil, and you can put that on anything. Bland avocado toast, truffle oil. Oh, avocado toast. I've been, I've been big on that lately. That's good. Um... Do you do any, like, fasting or anything like that? Um, I don't. I have definitely tried and kind of figured out eating habits, for sure. I think that 
for me being both an athlete and a model, like my body is literally my job, right? And yeah. so kind of taking care of it and then also like allowing it to perform to the best of its ability mm. while also, you know, maintaining the way that it looks is a very, very fine line. So I do have a nutritionist through Red Bull and she has been a really great help. I think that it's, yeah, it's really about sustainable things because I really can't afford to like not eat enough for a week and then kind of eat too much and then mess up my metabolism and then how does that affect my performance in two weeks and the shoot that I have tomorrow. And so it's just too much to juggle if I'm always changing it. So I would say I'm a very balanced eater. Um, In general, I... My main, like the bane of my existence in eating is I have a huge sweet tooth. So, you know, any kind of fruit is a godsend. So that's kind of my big thing. But other than that, yeah, I I kind of just work with her to the best of my ability. Dude, if I had a nutritionist too, I would do the exact same thing. It's, It's pretty, like, I mean... Sometimes you want to eat other stuff, but like, yeah, it definitely makes sense. Um, I, again, I don't have time to do, to like really, really slap down on the diet and uh, be also like, I don't know. I just burn so much like calories a day um, that I literally just eat as much as I can and I will not put on weight. Uh, It will not happen. All right, lads, quick intermission on this episode of the podcast. As you guys know, the podcast is brought to you by the ASC uh, the brand me and Pat created to help support underprivileged uh, action sports athletes, you know, provide them with a way to chase their dreams and to be able to pursue a career in the sports they want to. So if you guys want to check out the website, grab some merch, all the proceeds go towards helping out athletes and putting on events at local hills. Uh, the link will be down below as well. But yeah, hope you guys are enjoying this episode of the podcast and I'll see you at the end. With that being said, what does like a regular day look like for you? Because I know you're really busy. Obviously, you're in quarantine now. Times are different. But like a typical day because you we've, we've talked about this like kind of briefly and you post about it uh, before and stuff. And I actually have a book and a huge pile of books that never gets read over there. Don't know if you can see it or not. Um, actually, it does get read. It just takes me a while. That was my one weakness as a kid. I would read like literally like a 300 page book a day. And my parents would be like, they would get mad at me for reading because I'd be up to like three in the morning reading. And they're like, come take my light away and stuff. And they'd be like, stop reading. And then I'd like, go use the closet light. And then like, yeah. So I, so I, st- I completely went off the books reading for like, set when I got into high school, like, end of high school and stuff. And now I'm getting back into it. But I got a book on why we sleep. And sleep's so important. And you get like 10 hours of sleep sometimes a night. Like you get, I don't know how much you get on the average. But that's insane because me, again, I'm a little bit of a night owl. I try to like dial it in, but I get, man, like seven hours max a, a night. Like, and, and for how hard I push my body, I know it's not good, but I just, I don't know how I can find time to do, to do more. I always feel like I'm behind the step. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. I think, well, part of it is also like, genetic or just kind of like your own body predisposition of how much you need to sleep like my grandma for example she'll sleep like five hours a night and feel great and yeah doesn't really need one i was in quarantine and i thought i can better do i was sleeping like 12 hours a night i don't that's that's insane maximum i would wake up after nine hours absolute max like no matter what I'll sleep my life, I genuinely, like, feel like a non-fashion. I get 10 hours in my bed and I'm up, like, it really, 
I've been on the nine PM tomorrow and I'm going to recently and it's been a great time. Well, I think I've always been so happy to ask you about a kind of rhythm thing. I would say that I always have the flashlight under my pillow. I have an alternate flashlight hit around the room. So in case my mom found this one, I would like to have everyone. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think it's in terms of a general day. And I think it's really important because I'm not the kind of person who says, And now you're a Victoria's Secret model. That guy's probably like, damn it. <laughs> He's definitely bummed. You know, it's just funny. Like, it definitely gives me those perspective. Yeah. Um, and it's fun to look back on some of those things. And then, yeah, yeah. These are my journal books. They're, yeah, they're black, moleskin ones. Very, very in-depth. I have one. I, I don't journal my daily life, but this one is for my MMA striking. This one is for my skiing. So all aspects of my sports that I do, I write down every single day I train, what I learned, what went good, what went wrong, what I could approve on and stuff like that. And I started doing that like two years ago, and I found that has helped a lot. I would like to get into actual journaling, but I don't really, A, have the time, 
B, I don't want to be that guy with a journal. Because girls, it's kind of cool. Guys, it's like, ah. And I'm just like, ah. But I, I was, I, I was doing my, I was doing my hike, the um, hiking the West Coast Trail, and um, I was vlogging it, and uh, I was like, damn, I really wish I had a journal to write, like, um, to write down all my like adventures slash stories, and like have like I could leave it in like a secret room in my house, and my kids will find it one day, and like I thought that would be cool, so I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna get a journal for like all the cool like trips and stuff like that I do, and uh, things like that down the road. But that's part of the reason why I got into doing vlogs and stuff like that. Like, I kind of, like, always liked it a bit. I, I started doing it when I was, like, 10 or whatever. And then, or not 10, sorry, when I was in, like, grade 9 or 10. And then I was, like, posting them and stuff. And I was, like, I was having fun with it. And I was, like, oh, but people are going to think I'm like that. Okay, I don't want to be that kid. So I stopped doing it because I was worried about what people thought. Little did I know when you're, what, 21, 2 now? I don't even know how old I am. I said I was 21 the other day. I'm 22. I don't know. I got to figure this out. Um... <laughs> And when you're 22 and you get to this point in your life and you just, you don't care what other people think. You're just doing you and like, whatever, like you're being yourself. Um, <clears throat> but I picked it, I've started doing it again and I've really, I really enjoy it because A, like it's kind of a fun experience and I enjoy doing it. It makes me get like do more, more stuff, but also it's, it's so cool to go back and look on some of the things I've done and like journaling is really cool. It's probably, it will be really cool to have all them journaled as well, but like in terms of ease and, um, just access it's really cool to be able to go back and like, oh, I was up 60 feet in a tree this day with a chainsaw making a rope swing for no apparent reason. I was an idiot. <laughs> and like, go watch that. I feel like I'm going to be like 60 years old on my on my bed in a little wheelchair because that's probably how long I'll, I'll make it. That's we're, we're hoping we're hoping for higher, but honestly, live fast, die young. That's been the motto. And uh, it would be cool to go through and see all this stuff. And, or even have my kids, like, be able to go watch it and be like, oh, yo, dad, you're an absolute idiot, but that's dope. So, I, I always thought that was cool. Um, okay, well, I've taken up quite a bit of your time, and we could, honestly, I feel like we could talk a lot more, because I have a lot more questions, so I'll, I'm going to ask a couple more if that's okay, and then I do have to get ready for work. So, I, I feel, feel bad about it, but... How much time do you have? Pardon? Let me know how much time you have so I can answer them shorter. No, 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 it's fine. Answer them however. I, I feel like I'm pushing them on. This is your podcast, okay? I'm just the host. This is your podcast. The fact that you're giving me 45 minutes, I'm pretty stoked upon. I wasn't expecting that. So, um, 7.30ish. You got maybe 25 minutes and then I'm cutting you off. Okay. Um, so, <clears throat> I got to go look at my list now. I don't know why I was so excited. And then I, I had had him in my head um okay so recently you got nominated for an SB. that is absolutely insane um thank you what is that experience like and are you gonna win it do we know do you do you have uh, an intense cube? well see. i mean so i found out it was kind of a funny story so i was in hawaii recently with two of my best friends three of my best friends yeah. And so we were we were all there, and on that particular night, we were all having sleepover in our hotel room, and one of them was snoring really loudly. Like, annoying. Really loudly. What's up, buddy? And so I was, like, throwing a pillow at him. I was, oh, is that Duke? Yeah, yeah, Duke's coming to say hi. Oh, I'll move the camera so amazing. you can see him. Hello. There you go. Now hi, tell your story. Guys. I'll pet my dog. <laughs> Oh, 
kind of good boy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, so he was snoring really badly. I was like throwing coke and whatever. It wasn't working. So I decided that I was going to go sleep on the porch. So I like, took my pillows and my blanket and I moved to the deck. It was pretty warm in Hawaii again, so it was like, I don't know, like 70-something degrees. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was fine, but I was pretty cool place. The stars were beautiful. I was hanging out. And then I get this text from my agent, and she's like, hey, you just got nominated for that. And I didn't, it didn't even hit me because I was outside at like 3 in the morning, and I was kind of delirious. Yeah. Like, really I was like, okay. And I was just like, wait, wait, was that a fever dream? Like, was that actually happened? I was like, oh my god. Okay, so everybody vote. This is the reason she's doing the podcast. She wants more votes, guys. Don't let her down. Vote for Eileen Gu for the ESPYs. I know I will be voting. <laughs> can I vote more than once or just once? You can. You can vote every day. Okay. The link in my Instagram bio. Look at that plug. Wow. Excellent. I made. I'm gonna give you four votes. That is your payment for being on the podcast. This is that's so that's the fee. Yeah, Thank I know. I, I try. Um, so, <laughs> any, anyways, um, again, I wanted to ask this about, like, so, I think you kind of burst onto, like, the, like, you kind of blew up really quick, right? Like, three years ago-ish, were you, like, you weren't really a big name back then, were you? Or you start, no, like, you don't have to be modest here or anything like that. Don't, don't, don't be, don't be humble, like, don't, don't even try, it's okay. I'm not a humble person. I have an ego, everybody does. I think that's, it's interesting when you ask people that because it's like, for me, obviously I've been there for my whole journey, right? So like, it doesn't really feel like it was very fast because it's been 17 years for me, right? Yeah. I've been doing it my whole life. Um, but yeah, I think so. I had my first World Cup invite when I was, I just turned 15. So I turned 15 in September and then I got invited to Dubai in November. Um, I ended up getting 11th place at that. But I was half a point out from finals. And I remember I was super upset because I messed up, like, a right to one, which is, like, the easiest trick in the book for me. Like, it's my go-to, like, how did I mess up a two-on, right? Mm-hmm. So I got really upset. I went down to, like, the little public mini park, and I hiked one of their rails. And I think I probably did, like, 25 Jews on. I was there for like hours. And the US team coaches at the time were like, what did I mean? No, like, we wanted to congratulate her. Like, a rookie getting a left hand first World Cup. Like, that's pretty good. And meanwhile, I was like crying and sweating and like hiking. You know, when you get into that zone and you're like, don't talk to me. Like, I've been a Jewish trainer. No way can we get in my way. Yeah. It's good like that. So I was, I was there for, for quite a minute. And then my mom was like, yeah, she's like doing something. Just don't talk to her. <laughs> and so, yeah, so that definitely really motivated me because going into it, I was just upset that I didn't do the best that I could. Yeah. But after that, it kind of made me realize that, like, I could be relevant, you know? Like, I could have a chance to do well. So my second World Cup, I was at Font Rameau. I ended up getting second place. And then my third World Cup was inside of I winning that. So I haven't done a ton of World Cups because I was a full-time student at a really rigorous high school. I also was the first person in my high school's history to graduate early. Yeah, so... so Keep, yeah. No, keep going, keep going. I'll, I'll come back to it after. Okay, okay. Um, so I kind of 
kind of had a lot of things going on, and I couldn't really afford to miss school. So I only went to the contest that I absolutely could go to because I was on break or whatever. And so I really only went to those two World Cups my first season. And then my second season, I had Youth Olympics, whatever, and then Calgary. And then I ended up winning half-pipe and slope at Calgary. And that also kind of made me realize, okay, I can really do this. Because I think I was finding ways to discredit myself. Yeah. Like, thought or no, I was like, everybody else, you know, the weather wasn't great in training, and nobody had good training, so I just won because everybody else did badly. Mm-hmm. Or in science at all, it was at the same time as X Games, so like, all the X Games athletes were at X Games, and I was like, second tier or whatever, like, if I actually wanted to do well, I should have been at X Games, whatever, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And except at Calgary, I felt like people were actually there, and I actually won the event mm-hmm. based on merit, and so that definitely built a lot of confidence. And then Stubai, and then it was Dubai this year, and getting third place at that. But I was not hyped because I kept messing up on front four. It was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever done. Um, and yeah, so that definitely fired me up for for X Games. Yeah. And then we all went for that one, and then World Championships. So it's been. You're right. It has been pretty short in terms of like number of competitions. I haven't been in that many contests, but in terms of like. One thing that I think I'm really proud of in my career is my consistency. So I was on a streak from the second World Cup that I did until World Championships. I think that was like 16 podiums in a row. And then I broke it because I messed up my World Championships or my World Cup run right after World Championships. So could have been 18, but that's that's pretty good. Um, So quickly, I want to toot my own horn here. I uh, I had a goal for myself last year to land a, a run at my planned run at every single event. It's not near the same level as 18 at in a row, but I landed my planned run at every every single event, and I was pretty stoked in that to have that kind of consistency. So I I, I know yeah. how it feels, and that's um it, it's a really good feeling, and it comes with a lot of hard work, and it comes with like that confidence that you build like through doing that work and stuff. And in terms of like going up, like three years ago, like. <clears throat> Like that's basically when you started World Cups, right? So that's not a like that that's not a short period of time. Like if you were to tell me in three years from now, I'd be like, I can see that. Like, but it seems kind of fast from the outside. And what I was kind of wondering is because like you were saying with school and stuff, like um, for the people that don't know, you did graduate early, right? And you got accepted into Stanford. Hey, there you go. Nice. Yeah. Um, what do you get accepted? What do you go? What are you going for? Um, you don't have to declare a major until the end of your second year. Okay, so, so you're I fine. have a lot of time to, to figure stuff out. But I have a lot of interests. You know, I definitely am interested in molecular genetics. Oh my maybe god! Business, maybe psychology, Calm down. maybe international relations. Like we are all over the place. Yeah. Okay. But I have time to figure it out. Yeah, I went to university for business when I was skiing full time, and it was extremely hard. A, I'm not as smart as you are. Um, B I don't like school, and uh, I, I don't mind school, but I have other passions, so school always gets, like, for me, school is, like, those things where, like, I would have to go, like, I wouldn't be allowed to ski unless I got, like, a certain grade every year, and, like, I would have to, like, spend, like, two to three hours in the math class, like, after, after, um, every day at school. I mean, I made it, and I got it all, I'm, I'm good, I can go to university if I want to, but, um, I wanted to talk about your high school stuff because, like, obviously, like, if you're skiing that much and stuff like that, you you couldn't have had a very normal high school, right? Like, 
Like, did you go to like uh, a normal like uh, public high school? Yeah. I or... went to a private high school. I went okay. to a private, um, like elementary slash middle school. Um, so yeah, it was pretty small. We had four hundred kids in school. Okay. But it was very rigorous, so I had to write an application. I had to do standardized tests to get into high school. Like, I probably tried as hard as I did, as hard as I could, to get into high school, and I also tried as hard as I could to get into Stanford. But like, yeah, no shit. It was logistically speaking, like very difficult to mm-hmm. get into the high school that I went to, and it kind of has this reputation of being extremely academically rigorous in the Bay Area. So I remember when I first made the election, and I was sophomore in high school, and my academic dean was like, congrats, when are you leaving? I was like, leave, leaving what? And she was like, you know, like leaving high school. Like, there's no way you're going to be able to keep up with. You can't even miss a day at school. Like, nobody here can even miss a day at school and keep mm-hmm. up. Like, there's no way yeah. that you're going to be able to be like skiing and traveling and all this. I was like, well, actually, I think I'm going to try. So let's just see how that goes. And, you know, eventually, they actually ended up being super supportive. They were the ones that helped me figure out a way to graduate early. But... It was definitely one of those things that nobody thought I was able to do it. But, you know, that's kind of the stuff that fuels me. Like, if you tell me I can't do something, then I'm going to do it out of sight, if out of nothing else. Yeah, for so, sure. Uh, yeah, and I think, for me, I've always been a nerd. Like, I'm not ashamed to say that. See, I was the kid that would stay, like, an hour after math class because I would ask for extra difficult math sets and then answer them and then show the teacher my work and see if, like, if it was right to get, like, new problem sets. So oh I would get to ask the actual definitely. And, you know, I mean, everybody's different. And I think I just grew up, especially in my family, like, we always really valued that. My grandma taught me three-digit by three-digit multiplication when I was four. So to give you some context, like, I've definitely always had that part of me be very valued. Mm-hmm. In terms of skiing, I think it was definitely difficult. I was weekend warrioring like none other. I was the queen of... Eating in the car, homework in the car, sleeping in the car, changing the car, everything happened on the road to Tahoe. Like anything you could imagine is happened on the road to Tahoe. And I mean, that was good because it taught me time management. It taught me about, you know, prioritizing things. It taught me about self advocacy because I'd have to reach out to teachers and get work beforehand. Um, I really didn't miss that at school. Like I think I missed probably like three weeks a year. because I would, every contest is a week long, right? Like, yeah. you go, it's, it's in like Europe, you go out like a couple days before, you have training, you have qualifiers, you have finals, and you fly back. So, it pretty much was a week. So, I would figure out, okay, which weeks, instead of looking at the contest schedule, be like, okay, which contest do I want to go to? I look at my school schedule and be like, okay, which weeks can I afford to miss? Yeah. And then I pick a contest that happened to be in that range. So, that's kind of how I, how I made it work, but. Now, I feel really happy that I have the time to, to ski and train full-time before the Olympics because, you know, obviously that's really important to me and it's coming up quick, mm-hmm. so I'm glad that I was able to graduate early because it's definitely paying off now. Yeah, no offense, but you're a nerd. Um, <laughs> it, good for you, though. Uh, so, in high school then, I guess, not a lot of high school parties and things like that. Oh, I parties. I definitely parties. Oh, you made time for that? Uh, Oh, so you're the popular nerd. My mom's cool. Like, she, I'd be like, all right, mom, like, I'm going to be real with you. Like, there's probably going to be 150 people in our house tonight. There's definitely more than that. But there's going to be a lot of people in our house 
Cover. No way. Five dollars. Five dollars. Everybody. No discriminating girls and boys. I don't care. Oh. Everybody gets five dollars. But what happens is if I invite 150 people, right, I also make a point to invite people from other schools because I have friends from other schools. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, you guys can bring like a couple of your friends, but they have to pay the cover. So eventually, you know, if I invite 150 people, like, there's going to be 300 people showing up and then word is going to spread and then like pretty much the entire San Francisco private school system is like one giant bubble. So like everybody does everything. Whatever. So I ended up making a lot of money from that. And then I hired house cleaners with that money. Yeah. I also paid like 10% to two of my best friends who were the ones like charging people at the door because they were like, we don't, we're not really like funny people, whatever. Like, we'd rather just hang out together outside. I'm like, all right, well, you made both my money. So I paid them. And then I got the house cleaner and I made money off of it. So that's what being a nerd led to. So you're a young entrepreneur. Look at you go. That's insane. <laughs> That's awesome. That's hilarious. So I did get that one wrong. That's very cool. Um, well, that's awesome. I, I like that a lot. I went through a wild phase, well, pretty much all the way up until the last two years, and I was like, I, I had, I was like, okay, I am, I'm not at the point where I need to be in skiing and stuff like that. Um, so either a, I got to cut a lot of my friends and. Uh, people out that I hang out with and I got cut all this like like partying and stuff like when I go train I, I'm trained really hard but like I I mean I was I'm I'm and I, this this kid put him in a university high school and college scene for six years with a bunch of other people that are equal to worse than his level of ADHD plus likes to do gnarly things it, it just ends up in a lot of really dumb decision making for the good part like great memories and stuff but like in terms of being productive not ideal so i i i, I kind of had to tone that back because i my self-control i don't want to say it's bad because that's just putting that out there that's bad and reinforcing it in my mind but it needs some work let's be real <laughs> like my self-control needs some work i think you It just so took a long time. <laughs> it took yeah. it took a long time. Like, yeah. You're young. Everybody's young. Like, it's fine. It's not the end of the world. And especially like, for me, traveling around at the end of the like contest or whatever, like, I'm gonna go part of it. Especially when I was really young, like I think, because I was always one of the youngest kids on the circuit. Right? Like, yeah. Now I don't think I am anymore, but I am for some of it still. So. Yeah. My point is like. Oh my god, my social life the last two years has been zero to non-existent outside of when I'm skiing or when I'm training. It's just the people I ski or train with. But I it, honestly, like like we were saying, like I it was something that I kind of like came to the realization I had to do just to like to start progressing and 
obviously it's helped a lot, but yeah. So, I mean, besides partying and shit, obviously that can't be going on too, too much in the next little bit. You got the Olympics coming up. Um, what, I know, like, um, I, I mean, anybody that is going to Olympics should be pretty stoked about that. I think in skiing terms, people aren't, um, it's not something that, it's, it's a big goal and it's a big thing. But you're, it's not like something like rowing or track running where like that's your one goal and you're training four years for it, right? There's a bunch of different pit stops along the way. Um, but coming up in four years, or it's coming up in four years, coming up in a little bit, like how excited are you? What are your thoughts on it? And what are your goals? Like, I mean, obviously knowing you from this podcast, your goals are definitely, you want a three-peat gold in the Olympics. I don't blame you. I would want to do the exact same. My sister is in the Olympics. I'm going to cheer for her, no offense, but you can get two bronzes if that counts, or two silvers if that counts. But, uh, what? Okay, well, maybe you go for all three. Maybe you go for one of each. Then you can have, like, all the colors. I don't know. But what are your, th- what are your thoughts and stuff about it coming up? Um, yeah, for sure. I think it's kind of funny because I feel like a lot of people in the ski industry have really mixed ideas about the Olympics. On one hand, people are like, it's ruining the sport. And on the other hand, they're like, it's creating so much protection. And, you know, like, it goes whichever way you want to. I am definitely, like, a cop dog. Like, I mean, it yeah. is what it is. Like, I love skiing. It's so much fun. But I also love competing, and I think that's part of the reason why I love skiing. And I don't really think there's any shame in that. So, I think for the Olympics... It's, it's a big deal. Like, it's a pretty big deal to me. And I also think because I'm younger and I'm in that generation where the Olympics are... Like, I remember in 2014, people were like, oh, like, X Games is a bigger deal than the Olympics. I think there are still some people who are like, X Games is bigger than the Olympics. But for me, like, I think the Olympics are the biggest contest. And I think that's more of a cultural thing, given how long it's had time to take root in the sport. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, especially because I'm competing for China, um, and the Olympics are going to be held in China, so there are definitely a lot more fan base. Yeah, it's going to be insane for you. You're going to get mobbed. It's it's pretty chaotic. This is my first summer coming back because I couldn't come back last year because of COVID, and I'm definitely kind of seeing the difference that it's all. Is that is that why you're there to train? Are you going to be there for the whole summer? No, so I'm going to be here until August, and I'm going to South Bay to okay. train, um, yeah. in late August. But yeah, I'm here for pretty much like media stuff, and I'll try to, they have an airbag here, so I'm going to try to hit that um, if I have time, but it's it's more of like a media thing. But for sure, like Olympics, I'm really excited for it, because it's a world stage, it's an opportunity to spread the sport, especially because it's such a niche sport. Like, nobody knows what this thing is, and like, being able to show people that, and being able to like, increase viewership, increase cultural relevance. It's huge. It's so important, especially as, you know, a woman of color. Like, that's a really big thing for me. Like, I look around the sport and everybody's like, and like, that's cool. But being able to have more representation, especially younger girls, especially younger girls of different races and different backgrounds. And I think that that is so important. So it's in China, you know, the, the audience is there. They have 300 million people on snow kind of spreading awareness about skiing now. And so the audience is there, people are paying attention, and so this is really the opportunity to create change. Like, I talk about making change all the time, and I think this is really the time to walk the walk, 
and I'm excited for it. Yes, it's an immense amount of pressure, but it is also something that drives me so much. I'd say I think about the Olympics probably like two to three times a week. And now I definitely think about it a lot more because I'm pretty much just working out every day. And that is definitely a huge motivating factor for me. If I think that I'm going to run five miles today, then I'll run six because I'm like, all right, well, you know, Olympics. And and so it's kind of one of those things. So whether or not it's a good thing or a pressure thing, it's definitely motivating me and it's a good goal for me to have. So I'm trying to, in my own head, twist it to be something that is a positive reinforcement goal and also at the same time take pressure off, which is very difficult to do and we're about to find out how that goes. Yeah, that no, that's that's super cool, and I really like how you put it. Like bringing attention to the sport, it's huge, and it's not. It's obviously a very niche sport. It's not a sport that a has a lot of money in it. You've done a very good job of creating a lot of money in it for your someone like yourself. But for someone like me coming up, like I have to work like throughout the entire summer just to pay for a comp season. Like for like, and a lot of people. It's not cheap. It's not cheap. It's like for me, like if we're like being honest, it's like twenty grand, and like. If I work throughout the entire summer, I can make just enough to pay for that comp season, right? And when you get to the point where that, like, you are now, like, bringing awareness to a sport like this helps. It doesn't. It doesn't just help you. It helps everybody. It helps the whole like industry, and it helps people that are coming up, like me and other skiers and stuff like that. It helps. There's more funding in a sport like this when it comes up, and I think the Olympics. Um, Action sports are kind of, no offense, but they're kind of, di- they're not all of them, but they're kind of dying, like especially skiing. And I think having something like it in the Olympics and having big, big, um, big uh, influences and big audiences like somebody like you has brings a lot of attention to sport. And I think it's really good. And I mean, I, I, it would be really cool to see you three-peat gold at the Olympics. That would be insane. Again, I'm hoping I can go. I'm going to try to make it. Um, to the Olympics because I obviously I want to cheer on Megan and I also really want to go to China I've never been and everybody there is going to be like like it's going to be cool to, to see the different culture it's completely different so that I'm going to try to make it out but um, that would be really awesome um, yeah shit it's going to be it's going to be insane it's going to be an insane year for you guys you got a whole comp like a decent comp season coming up then plus all that stuff um, last question on the podcast we've actually ate up an hour and ten minutes I'm really surprised uh, I ask, I've been asking everybody this, where do you see yourself five years from now? So obviously that's, this Olympics is gone. You have talked about going to Stanford. Obviously, if you're accepted to Stanford, you have some intention of going, um, going to university full time, especially if you're going to do like some of the courses or some of the programs and stuff you were talking about, like skiing in that is going to be very hard. Are you planning on doing like another Olympics and stuff? Or are you going to, you know, I just prove people wrong. Is that the plan? I mean, look, all I have to say is I think this far being a weekend warrior. Like, I, I think that if I could do it then, I think that I can do it now. But I think it's more about kind of work ethic and structuring and understanding the way that your mind and body works more than anything. Like, you could be skiing every day and not be improving. But only ski two, two days a week and you're improving a lot. And so it's, it's really about what you set yourself up for. So I, I think it's possible that's my intention, and I think if need be, you know, I could take another year off, kind of like before the next Olympics. Um, I don't know how long I'm going to be for. I think I'm going to go to this Olympics and, and see. But it's something that I'm passionate about now, and I want to continue to follow that passion for as long as it's there. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think I would like to go to another Olympics. Um, yeah, so five years from now, 
have a few Olympic golds under my belt. I Just a couple. like to uh, own a non-profit organization okay. um, that has to do with some kind of cross-cultural impact, preferably through the form of sports um, or food or culture, some kind of cross-cultural understanding, maybe like a non-profit for like a summer camp or something. Um, I would also like to continue modeling. I'm getting into acting. I was going to say, any interest in acting? I've been very interested in stunt acting. I've done some background acting and stuff, in the, and I've been talking about doing stunt acting and talking to people. I'll be a great stunt actor. Tell, you, tell me to get on this dirt bike and launch it. I can do that. Tell me to go scuba diving. I can do that. You want me to belly flop off a 60-foot cliff? I can do that. So, If you know anybody that likes that needs a short stunt actor that is uh, semi-attractive, that's I'm your guy. Noted. Noted. Let, let him know. On the podcast, guys, if anybody else is listening to this. But acting, you're interested in that. Yeah. Um, I have, so I've some documentaries, which are definitely not acting, but there are scenes where they're like, all right, so pretend you haven't done anything yet, and it's like March. <laughs> so we talk about how nervous you are, and I'm like, for sure. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's that. And then I also have some mild background acting experience, just kind of like growing up. Mm. But I have some jobs coming up in the future in like, got it i think it's doable um the the one other thing on the topic of this is so when it comes to like your acting and modeling gigs and all the stuff like that you obviously have an agent and do you have a manager and stuff and does he deal with all this stuff like that That's awesome. Yeah, because I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to look for an agent and stuff like that for skiing. And I just, on a personal level, that's like, that that's too much to try to take on and organize and plan and, and stuff by yourself. So that that's very, very cool. Also, a lot of it is about, like, connections and networking. So mm-hmm. definitely, like, I would recommend getting an agent. Because, like, you can wait for brands to come to you, but you have my to go personal advice to you in terms of that is, like, 
create competition as much as possible. So if like an outerwear brand is talking to you, be like, bring that to another outerwear brand and be like, look, I love you guys. Like I've had this kind of loyalty to you since the beginning, but like I really I want to sign you, but other brands talk to me now, like what kind of offers do you make me? Yeah. And then you bring that back and you bring it back to the person and then you create that internal dialogue about the product type of yeah because for where i'm at in my ski career like the biggest step i can make is to get to a point where i am self-sufficient and i can train full-time like i have no doubt in my mind if i don't have to work like i'm one of those people i'm sure you are too you could drop me off at six in the morning eight in the morning i will train the entire day until done until i'm done i will crawl into my bed and I will rinse and repeat every day. I have a bunch of other interests, but I don't think there's, um, I don't think there's very many people that could outwork me. And uh, I like to like to like show that, and I like to do that. But my biggest problem is a time because I have to work and, and stuff like that. So uh, obviously, I'm at the point where I've got some sponsors who are supporting me and paying for stuff like that. And it's just it's just something that I've been looking into and I've been talking to other people about. So I was interested in that. Um, good tips though. And for any young person coming up in the ski industry, what would you what would you tell them? Like, let's pretend I'm like a five. No, we're gonna we'll go ten year old kid. I can do some backflips. I got I got my first cork. I'm doing pretty good for ten. And uh, yeah, I was gonna, I was, I, let let me say I can fire a front six. I'm gonna I can do a front six too. Um, what would what would you suggest for me? Okay, I mean here's the thing. You want to be the best competitors. You want to be like just having the most fun, like learning that. Because I think in terms of, I can speak from the competitive standpoint, right? Because I would consider my best strength to be my work ethic, my brain, the way that I think and structure all of my training and my competitions. So I would say like there are going to be times that you don't have it, and like. That's the time when, you know, maybe it's 3 o'clock and not close at 4 and all your friends left at one thirty, And, you know, it's clouds are starting to come in and you've been hiking this rail for like two hours, you're sweating, your goggles are fogging, you just want to go home, you're like, I don't think I'm even going to get this trip. Like, those are the moments that really make or break because those moments add up. And, like, you can see, it's all about working to the max of your ability and also structuring it in a sense that makes sense. So, for example, if you were doing jumps all morning, right? And you hit that adrenaline peak. Maybe you learn a new trick and you have that adrenaline crash. And you feel like it's kind of unsafe to just continue doing the same big trick. So instead of going home at that point, what I've always done and what I'll continue to do is like go hike the rail, go hike and hit the pipe, go like work on your switch on natural skiing, um, figure out how to grab a little bit longer in all of your spins work on spotting, and you can always figure out something to continue working on, so mm. it's about that, and it's also really about competition mindset, so like build up your confidence before you start competing at a high level, because if you go into your first contest thinking that you're not going to win, it's really hard to reform that if you keep not doing well, and reinforcing that belief, right, like you need to go in thinking that you have the chance to win, you don't expect it, but you 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 go in wanting to win, yeah. and so I think that that from the very get-go is make or break. So from the very beginning, every contest that I've entered, I've had the opportunity to win. Maybe I didn't, but in my head, I was like, look, I'm in it to win, otherwise I wouldn't be here. And so I think that is also really important. 
Yeah, no, I think that's really good. And I think from a competition standpoint, you you nailed it. I think having, I mean, as a young kid, it's not easy to install that com- uh, competition mindset, but that's something that is huge and like something I recently figured out. And like me, I, I personally, I got to the point where I would crack under pressure. Like that was, that was me two years ago. And now, man, you could throw as much pressure on me as you want. I would, I'm going to do it. I know for a fact. Like, I'm going to do it. I would sit there. I would go to the ski hill. And you know how you do all eight, right? I would try to do all eight as many times in a row as I could. I got up to doing it like seven or eight times in a row. Like, I did over like, like, I guess it would be over like, I don't know. I did did all eight, like eight times in a row, six, seven, eight times in a row without messing up. I'd get to that last, ba- on that back swap back too. And I'd be there. I'm like, I'm sitting at the top of the rail. I'm like, all the pressure's on my shoulders. And... I perform under pressure and I like tell I'll tell myself I'm like watch this and I go and lace it fuck that feeling is good that feeling is unreal so kids um performing under pressure that helps competition mindset helps one of the biggest things that I've done for that is not taking shortcuts if I tell myself I'm gonna do something like wake up at six I do it it just builds that like confidence in your subconscious I think for me ice bath I've been doing that I started doing that I have a cold shower every morning I ice bath every night that I think just the fact that like shit I don't like being cold I go to bed with like sweaters and pants on because I'm freezing every night but um but I think like me knowing that I've done that and I I continue to do that like when it comes like time to like really perform I I know I can do it like a running like long distances or things like that too I find like like if hey like I like I ran like exactly running long distances you you can probably attest to that I never used to like running long distances as a kid. I was always pretty good at it, but um, rec- like I, up until high school, like I got at the end of high school, I started doing it, and like I find a lot of pleasure in pushing myself, doing like doing things like that. Like I'll go like shit. I'll wake up in the morning and I'll go run a marathon. Like there, there's this little voice in my back of my mind that says, "That's stupid. You can't do that." And I'm like, "Hmm, maybe I can." Right? And and I think like proving to yourself that you can do it. And I think a lot of that shit like. Honestly, I think most people could go, not all people, not most healthy, good shit, people that are in good shape can go do a marathon right now. They don't have to do all the training in the world. You're going to be sore as shit after. But in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to do it. Whether I have to take a bunch of breaks, whether I have to like walk, whether I have to crawl, I'm going to do it, right? And building that mindset up is, I think, something that's really important. All right, lads, I'm sitting in the chair because, you know, it's the end of the potter. And uh, just wanted to say thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Eileen, super, super rad chick. I gotta say, thanks for uh, coming on. Like, appreciate it a lot. Uh, any other big guests or anybody else wants to come on, let me know. My DMs are open. And also, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. We're coming, we're catching up, and uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Leave a comment, favorite part, like it. I don't know, do whatever you want to do. I'll see you in the next one. Deuces.